And we're live. Welcome to Don't Be Coy. I'm your host, Uncle Lou. And today I have the honor, pleasure, and the utmost appreciation to have with me today, Mr. Daryl Wilson. Daryl, thank you for being on the show. How are you doing this morning? Hey, I appreciate it. Thank you for the invitation to even be here. It's an honor and privilege and a pleasure on my behalf, but I'm doing quite well. Enjoying the day. Sundays are my my, my rest days, self-care days. So we're off to a good start. And no other way to do it would actually be in here with you today as well. <laughs> no, I appreciate that, man. How was your previous week? Any takeaways? Any takeaways? Uh, it's actually funny. I, I was meeting with some of the outside counsel with my job and they were just, what have you learned by being in-house? And, and one of the things that I said was that we should always give ourselves and others grace. And it rolled off my tongue. And when I said it, I was just like, okay, that's a hit there. So I, I think grace has <laughs> been the word of the week, maybe even the month, maybe even this season that we're in is really just giving yourself grace. Yeah. I think that's actually a really great pivot towards what we'll be discussing today. So like, um, just as like a high level overview, um, this is season two of Don't Be Coy, focusing on moments of transformation. And what I'll be doing over the next couple minutes is like just asking you a series of questions related to the past, present and future. And just I would like you to answer those questions. And what we'll do is like just have some candid conversations associated with them. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. What's your favorite song to start your day to? Like you said, in moments of transformation, mine would actually be the Sunday service choir more than anything. Oh, tell us a little bit more about that. It's the play off of the old song of more than anything that we have. When Kanye did the Sunday service choir, they always take it and put a little bit of a spin on it that gives it some kind of a edgy, sacred, secular vibe to it. And it's a worship song and getting the day started. We all always give thanks to our creator uh, in heaven for waking up and seeing another day and the activity of limbs and getting into the whole more than anything where it's, I love you, Jesus. I worship and adore you. Just want to tell you uh, how much I love and adore you some more stuff like that. Don't put me on the spot with lyrics. When I'm this August playing, I, I, I got the words then, but so telling the Lord we love him more than anything. So. That's how I start the day. I appreciate that. So is that something that you've always started your day with? Or is that something that recently you started becoming more engaged with your spiritual self and putting that in the forefront of how you start your day? Yeah, I think I would say, honestly, that shift possibly came through in the pandemic, maybe. I've always had religious. I grew up in the church, all, all that background, but it was just like, in my older years, you turn into God when you're desiring of things or wanting situations to work out. And so when I was on my job searches, you know, during the great resignation and trying to get to new areas and really just looking for that guidance, that's when I pretty much turned to my mornings to start off and kickoffs with, with gospel to get my day started. And when I say my prayers, I always have line telling God that I surrender my all and surrender myself to him and lead and guide me in the path or place me in the garden that he wants me to be in. And so that's where that started. Don't get me wrong. I still may kick off a morning with a little trap to most mornings. It's, it's a gospel kind of meditation to start the day. 
before heading into work. Yeah, no, that's a really interesting point there. And I want to dive into that a little bit more. But one thing that I, I actually forgot and like my part for that, can you tell the people at home a little bit about yourself so we can have some context around what this great resignation looked like for you? Absolutely. For those that don't know me, for those that may be listening that do, my name is Daryl Wilson, originally from Jackson, Mississippi, currently living in Charlotte, North Carolina. I am an assistant general counsel in the Litigation Center of Excellence at Honeywell. I manage our products liability, personal injury, and asbestos claims. Lawyer by profession, but anytime outside of Monday through Friday, eight to five, I'm just plain old Daryl. And so there with the great resignation was in the height of the pandemic, opportunities to work remotely became like the strong thing of our generation, I would say. But then also just moving on, taking steps, like we said, in transformation, looking for new opportunities. Pandemic was harsh on a lot of us. And so looking for new beginnings, new starts. And so for me, I was working at a law firm and I have always been very supporter, champion, promoter of all things, diversity, equity, inclusion. And so in the law firm, and we all know that the numbers of African-American and even diverse lawyers is very low. So I think it's one between five and 8%. And so working in the firm, I, I was working towards partnership and wanted to make partner with the idea that I would hire associates that either looked like me or came from a diverse background. And as I started to get further and closer to the partnership and, and really thinking it out, I was like, if I make partner at this firm, I could probably only hire maybe one or two diverse attorneys or, or maybe three, four, five across the span of my career. But if I turn and went in house, I started to follow that trend of being in house and how diversity was a driving metric for a lot of in-house or, or organizations when they looked to hire the outside counsel. And they were looking at diversity and they were wanting to put their dollars in you know, the hands of diverse lawyers. And at that point, I was like, okay, this is where diversity is being driven. So I started to focus and look to go in-house so that I could be a part of that change to send the company's dollars to diverse lawyers. And from there, I was like, I could send it to more diverse lawyers across the country who in turn could hire more diverse attorneys. And I felt that my impact would be greater there. So within the great resignation, I am a two-time member of the great resignation actually in this pandemic. So I like to say I'm a vet, I guess at this point, and, and that was driving. So that's a little bit about me where and, and how I got to my choice of music in the morning was during this great resignation. I'm trying to move forward and, and carry out God's will, but also my personal plan to increase diversity in the profession. I, I think that's very interesting. When you were first partaking in the great resignation, like you mentioned looking for like new beginnings and new starts. And I think that's something that we all reflected on. My question to you is whenever you started having those moments of looking for something new or starting a new beginning, what was the triggering moment that initiated the mechanism for you to start making changes occur? Yeah, I think in, in for me, moving from private practice to in-house, it was really, I think I started participating in a lot of 
mentoring programs or yielding myself to aspiring lawyers or people that wanted to go to law school and really getting a deep dive and seeing where we were as an industry and also just seeing that when it looks, when you're trying to mentor people to get into the profession and understanding that the, that the odds are already stacked against us. When you look at standardized testing and stuff like that, when you look at the LSAT, numbers aren't high in the African-American community. So trying to also be a force or, or be supportive of people and trying to coach them through LSAT preparation and what they should do. And then just seeing them potentially fall short and you're just like, oh man, like this is a part of the barrier to the profession. And so then just seeing that over and over, just, I think that was my triggering point that, that kind of took me to, okay, I'm going to harp on diversity more in this profession and try to figure out ways to help minorities get to law school. And then at that point, help them get through law school because it's only it's only so great that you help them get there, but you got to help them get through it as well. So yielding myself as a resource, but then also after they graduate law school, helping them land a job or try to find ways like that. And so I think that's that was where I took the turning point to focus on diversity. And then when it got to transitioning jobs, it was more so like, where was my place in, in trying to give work to diverse lawyers? You, you are at so many different levels, you're on a lower level, entry-level job. You don't have just that flexibility to assign work. So from there at my previous job where I was a corporate counselor, it's pretty much kind of entry-level to now being on the team that can actually make those decisions um, in where work goes. And so th those are some of the triggering points, but then also just the transition from leaving Mississippi, going to Arkansas and not having that community that we talked about earlier, that was a trigger for me to say, okay, I'm, I'm in this place. I have no family here. I have minimal friends here. I need to be in a space where more people look like me. And then also where I have something was to happen to me. I, I told people it could take up to 24, 36 hours before anybody knew because I had no family in the area and you, your family that's distant or away, they can call the police. You got 24 hours before they're just like, okay, have this, has the person been missing for 24 hours? At that point, I could be somewhere seriously hurt, if not, you know, gone. So that was a piece to me that was like, you need to be somewhere where you have family uh, or where you have friends. And so that was the trigger that moved me to Charlotte. I think that's very interesting. It's both the professional and the personal simultaneously. And I like that perspective that you provide because to me validates that as holistic beings, like we're not just like workhorses, right? Yeah, we have a job so that we can like pay our bills and things of that nature and obviously work towards some mission, whatever organization that you're a part of, it's working towards something. But then also we have like Outside of that, our families, our friends, our own personal hobbies, and like, how can we invest in towards ourselves? And so I guess what I'm interested in is like on the professional side, right? Like you, you recognize your own personal mission. And I like that approach that you talked about as far as starting off with like mentorship, helping out with like LSATs. But as you're even navigating your own career, 
you're realizing that it takes more than just once you get into law school, it's getting through law school. Once you get through law school, it's getting into that first entry-level role and navigating through that. And now as you've expanded and understood the gaps, you've not only developed within your own career, if you will, to ensure that you can help address that gap. So I want to pause there a little bit and make sure I'm understanding that correctly. Yeah, no, that's really exactly where we talked about. And it's really, for me, you all, you have your brand and you always have to build, you have to build your own brand while helping others as well. I tell people that you should always have your own personal board of directors. And I'm not talking about you, yourself, and I. You literally have to have people in your corner that you can turn to that are sponsors, that are mentors, that can help you because it's all about learning in life. We don't know it all. We don't have all the answers. And that's why you should always have those sponsors and mentors around people that you can consult for ideas because you can always take something away from an individual, whether it's good or bad. You have a bad, just for instance, you may have a bad person, a bad mentor that you selected and they may, they may not just personally serve you, but even in having that bad mentor or bad employer, you're going to learn something. You learn what not to do. But then if you have your good mentors, your good employees, you can learn what to do to help people. And you can always take it away. But I say, take the advice, take the little nuggets and you put your own spin on it. And then you also align yourself to be on somebody else's board of directors. And even it's funny because people that I have in my board of directors who I say are mentors to me, we've all built the relationship and established that trust amongst each other to where sometimes my mentors come and ask me my thought, my opinion on, on decisions that they're trying to make. So I think when you do that, it's almost a value add because you've turned to a person who you wanted to mentor you and the relationship has been built. The trust is established to the point where your mentors start to turn back to you to ask you questions because they value your opinion. And so that's what I've learned in my time in, in the profession and even just in life that we always want to have that board of directors so that we can turn and pivot off of each other, learn because we should always be learning in life no matter where you go. And I think at that point, it takes you through the profession. It allows you to do well on, on your job, but it also gives you that outset to know that you also have to pay it forward um, and maybe even pay it back. Uh, in, in some instances. And so it's it's a never ending cycle and, and you can never, ever feel like your work is done because our work is not done until there's equality for all, to be honest. But we're not going to preach here today and pass the collection plate. Carry on and on. In, in that space, that's the, as we go through, we always have to be looking forward, but also looking back to see where we can take from in the past and put it to the future so that we can continue to build and shape our yeah. own personal professions. I really want to reflect on that a little bit because as if you mentioned community is really important, that was one of the driving factors that you looked at as far as a trigger for why you were wanting to move to Charlotte. You did it once before with just the professional because you saw like the potential of moving from outhouse to in-house and being able to develop that kind of specialty, if you will. But then like also 
you realize the importance of the, the community. But what I really like that you talked about is that the importance of having that community within your workplace as well. And like how that is such a foundational development of not only towards your personal mission or personal goals, but also like the house that you build, which will eventually become your career. If I'm understanding correctly, like the way that you are articulating it from my perspective is that you want to build this board of directors, which serve essentially as kind of mentors that you become like transparent with, vulnerable with, tell them what your biggest dreams, your hopes, your wishes, all of these various different things. And you choose these people, not because they're just listen and be like, oh, okay, that sounds good. But because you, they have certain skill sets that might help you get towards that. It might be the network of people that you want to interact with. It might be the specific role that you want to step into. It might be even just the tenure and the, I guess you could say, stamina to survive in a career for X amount of years and things, depending upon what your, your tenure you would like it to be. And like you take these various different board of directors from all of these various different perspectives to guide you and like sometimes mutually beneficial, beneficially listen to you on like their own like type of things that they're navigating, but essentially building this kind of foundation so that like whenever you start building your house towards reaching your goals, it's like it becomes more and more possible. Am I understanding that correctly? That's absolutely correct. <laughs> I actually go to the puzzle. One thing you mentioned, like, not knowing what, what the future may hold for you. Cause I never, and it's to the point we talked about earlier, never in a, a million years did I think that I would meet some of the people that I've met here in Charlotte. Now there's a run club, shout out to Mad Mouse. They are now like my family because it's, it's legit. We share that same common interest, a fitness goal. Even if you don't run, you can walk, you can skip, you can jog, you can hop, you can do it. You can crawl. You can do whatever you want to at Mad Mouse as long as you, you finish the miles. So <laughs> it was really an experience for me. And I, believe it or not, I'm like a, an introverted extrovert. So when I first saw Mad Mouse, I was like, okay, that's a run club. Back when I was back in Mississippi, in the pandemic, there were a group of frat brothers. We ran every day. And so I was just like, this is similar to what I was doing back in Mississippi on a kind of larger scale thing. And I was like, I enjoyed running with the frat. When, when I was back in Mississippi, it was something during the pandemic. I, I lost a few pounds that I gained back when I moved to Arkansas because I was not running. And so I was like, let's get back to it. Uh, the first time that I went on the run or, or, or pulled up to the run, I was very, I was nervous for some reason. I was just like, this is a group of people that I don't know. It is an extensive group. It's like hundreds of people out here. It's hundreds of uh, people that look like me. And I was just like, what's, how is this going to be? And then finally, once I you know, got over it, I was just like, just go out there, have a good time. And yeah. then on top of that, I was like, oh, you have, you know, you haven't gone on a run in, in, in over a year. And these people are probably like runner runners. They <laughs> run. And, and, and you're about to be out here struggling and they're going to fly past you and be like, who is this cat out here that can't run? It's, it was just like, you have those thoughts that run through your head. But I was just like, put all that aside, pull up out. There. You never know what may come of it. And it's been like, since I've been going since probably early May, it, these people, we run, 
after the run, we have a cool down. After the cool down, we, we do line dances. People who are Greek, they stroll and it's like a party. And then we even leave from the running spot and go to either another little after we go grab brunch together or stuff like that. So it, it turns into this sense of community that I didn't know that I would find once I got here, once I moved. It was almost, it's almost like the community that I didn't know that I needed. And so from there, we created a smaller group that we hang out. We actually hung out like last night for the first time. And it was like good vibes the entire night. Like nothing was left. It was just good vibes. Everybody came and brought their good vibes with them. And it was really an experience that I enjoyed. And it was, that was something that I was longing for. And now I have it. And so it's just like, Charlotte, you got a long time resident in you. I appreciate that as well, because I can tell the level of happiness and the level of joy that comes from you by being in a place where you get both of those things. So I'm curious around how you built this kind of interesting dynamic, which we all kind of aim towards as far as developing like the personal development and the professional but then also the development in the self. As the full transparency moment, therapy. I am a huge supporter of therapy. Therapy got me through my time in Arkansas. Therapy has worked in a lot of different ways that I didn't know it, it would until I started therapy. I, so I support therapy and tell everybody they should always look into mental health avenues that, that will support you in, in, in what you want to do. And it's funny because you, as you talked about me growing and everything, I'm sitting here and literally my shirt, it, it just was a happenstance choice clothing for today. And it says, always keep growing. And <laughs> underneath that, it says, make your dreams happen. Never give up because great things take time. And it's crazy that I have this shirt on at this point and that we're talking about growing and developing. But that's how we are. Uh, and, and it goes circles back to the beginning of this call today is giving yourself grace because you're not always going to get it right. And things take time. And so I think in understanding and knowing that is what has allowed me to move forward in life and be in this space that I'm in now, but always understanding that, that and staying hungry for greater and for more for yourself. Because if you get stagnant, you're missing out on a lot in life, I think. And, and you're missing out on opportunities to help others develop and grow. So learn as much as you can. Never stop. Keep growing and seek there. No, I, I totally understand that, man. And I think that's very true. I believe that to be very true. And I find it like, I guess you could say interesting because it's like, I hear that. Like I, I, I totally understand that. And I hear that completely. However, what's like interesting to me is like that, like transition between that, that point A and that point B, right? Point A can look like for whoever or whatever, many different kinds of ways, but as far as they can be starting from like the bottom, they can be starting from the middle or even the top. Like it reminds me just of one of my favorite cooking shows where it's three different types of kitchen. One's is five Michelin star restaurant style kitchen. The other one's kind of, 
a nice relatively like kitchen you would see like at any restaurant. And the other one is just like this trash kitchen that you might find in like a greasy like bar somewhere that has got a health code of a deer. And those are the various points that we can start into life. But what I I heard you say is it's just when you have your goals and you set them and like you aim for them, it, it takes time and like they're reachable and like obtainable. Like you just, we just discussed with you, but that process and that kind of time in between. And what I heard you say or say is you having some type of, I guess you could say mental health coach, like a resource to help you navigate what that journey is going to look like, because that journey itself is going to be very interesting. It's going to have a few storms in there. It's going to have some calm periods. It's going to it's going to literally feel like a hurricane with like that piece in the middle of the eye of the storm. And I'm curious when you if you could reflect on those moments where they the transition was like a little bit challenging. How would you I guess you could say take those lessons learned whenever you're like beginning and changing into like your next phase of going into the next level or achieving your next goal there have been times in life where i've been in in a low space and i think being in those spaces and also i'm always going to tie things back together from my start of my day to more than anything understanding and knowing another one of my favorite gospel songs was i told the storm and i've been in some low places and that song was one that was always helpful to bring me out. And so I think I, I, I'm a lover of music. And so when I get into these spaces, I turn to music and there's a message always in the song. And that if I can take from that, that, that message to continue to carry on, to continue to go on and know that there is sunshine on the other side of the storm, then that's that will to carry on and even just reverting back to run life with the mad miles, we run two miles. And it's always, I tell myself, never stop, keep going. You're almost to the finish line. Even when I get tired or when I feel like I want to stop, I always tell myself to keep going because I'll never give up. If you give up, then in a sense, you're giving up on God's promise to you because he'll never give you more than you can bear more than you can handle, he will fight your battles for you. So if you give up, then you're giving up on God's promise to you. So I always keep that in center of mind when I go through dark spots to know that there is light after this. And so it's just, that's how I continue to go on. Like I said, therapy is good, but also understanding and knowing my, my religious side, knowing that if I give up, then I've given up on God's promise to me. I completely agree. We got to keep on moving. And I wonder, like, that is like sets a, a good precedence, right? Obviously, when you're running, if you stop moving your feet, you're not running anymore. But like whenever we're in like very big, like transition moments, like I'm curious around like what does quitting look like in those kind of moments? Quitting. This is hard because I try, I try not to quit, but still, <laughs> yeah. if I were to quit, like for mad miles, that would have looked like me pulling up, seeing all these people walking up and being like, oh, 
Phew, social battery is on E. I'm about to crank this car back up and then go ahead and go home. And maybe <laughs> I'll run in my neighborhood by myself. And that would have, that in itself would have blocked so much that I have, or, or that has transpired since I moved to Charlotte because I would not have met a core, my core group of friends. I would not have met certain people to hang out with from time to time. I just would not have met those people had I gotten there and decided I'm not going to run today. I'm not running with this group. I'm leaving. So that would have been quitting in that nature because to the point before I moved to Charlotte, when I was looking for a new job, my prayer was always God place me in the garden that I'm supposed to be in and put people in it to water and nourish the garden. So these people that I have associated with now from the run club are those people that God put into the garden to nourish it so that I would like Charlotte. So I would like this garden that is Charlotte that he's placed me in. So that's what it would have looked like with Mad Miles. When it comes to professionally with my job, what it would have looked like was after getting a series of no's from organizations that I was interviewing and applying for, making it to the last two candidates and not being selected, quitting would have looked like stop applying and would have never moved forward to potentially to, for this current role, apply to Honeywell, reach out to my resources to have them get me to where I am now. Quitting would have turned into a place of stagnant or as an English major, we like to make words up. So it's going to work today. So it's, I would have been in a place where I'd be like, okay, these options didn't come through. So maybe this is just not meant for me to move. Maybe it's not meant for me to leave. Maybe I'm supposed to be here in Arkansas. And I would have stopped applying to try to get to a new place. So that's what it would have looked like professionally is, is, is just staying in a place that I potentially had no desire to be in. And so that's, yeah, that's what quitting would have looked like. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense, man. I, I, I really appreciate just you being on the show today, man, and having this conversation with me. It's been great. No, this was very good and refreshing. And, and to the point, it made me actually reflect back on where I am and where I've been. And, and it's clear that this is a, a happy time in life. That's good, man. I have three lightning questions that I do on every show. So if you don't mind, I'll just go through these three and let you get back to the rest of your day. That's it. Let's go. All right. Do you prefer texting, talking, or video chats? Texting. True. What or who inspires you and why? I would say my friends. You always keep a good circle around you of, of people that will inspire you to continue to go on and grow on. But if I have to name one particular person, it's going to be my sister. She's a mother, daughter, friend, sister. And she keeps the will to continue to go on. I love it. I love it. And then on a scale from one to 10, how good are you at keeping secrets? What all have we talked about today? Because I forgot. So with that being said, but I'm, there's always room for a slip up. So I'm, I'm going to give myself a nine. I like to think that I can keep secrets. I, I tend to tell myself in the mirror if I need to tell somebody. <laughs> I feel that. I totally understand, man. Once again, I really appreciate you for being on the show. And I hope you have a great rest of your day. Hey, I appreciate you too. This has been another episode of Don't Be Coy with Uncle Lou. As always, I'd like to thank this episode's guest for a great conversation, as well as thank you, the listener, for joining in. Whether you're a first-time listener or a regular, I always appreciate your support. If you like today's episode and ever want to listen to more, subscribe to our show 
on Apple Podcasts, Audible, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. And to join our community and access future bonus content, be sure to visit dbkpodcast.com.